says, you will be my witnesses. Now, you, you know what a witness is. Certainly a witness is just someone who, who shares their personal experience. It's someone who, who, who tells what they know, who tells what they've seen, what they've heard. So Jesus doesn't say, uh, you have to force people to accept me. He doesn't say you have to debate with people. He doesn't say that you have to pressure anyone into heaven or argue them into heaven. You don't have to cajole people. You just need to be a witness. You just need to tell what Jesus has done in your life. Now, do you need to be a Bible scholar to do that? Do you need to uh, live the perfect life and never mess up to do that? No. Do you uh, have to have a degree in theology to do that? No. Do you have to have been a Christian for 20 years to do that? No. But you do need to be an expert in one thing, your life. But thankfully you are. You are the world's leading authority on your life. You are the world's leading authority on what God has done in your life. That means that uh, you are the best qualified person in the world to do the job that God asks you to do. No one can do it better than you. And I think that's really important because one of our biggest problems when it comes to sharing the good news of Jesus is that we just think we're, we're inadequate. We think, I can't do that. I'm not that kind of person. I don't know enough. Or maybe we look at other people who are good at it and we think that it means we need to be like them. But it doesn't. We just need to be ourselves. We've been saying this over the last few weeks, haven't we? That God knew what he was doing when he made you. And he just wants you to be you. He wants you to be his witnesses and tell what he has done in your life. No one in the world can do a better job at that than you. So that's the mission. Where do we do it? Well, Jesus says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, they're they're in Jerusalem when Jesus says this. So Jesus is saying, you start where you are. Mission doesn't start in some foreign country, but it starts where you are, with with the people closest to you, your your family, your friends, your colleagues at work, your neighbours, the people that you're in contact with all the time. God's put you in those relationships for a purpose. He wants you to live and to speak in such a way that you make an impact in their lives with the gospel. How are they going to hear if not from you? Maybe you are the only Christian that they will know or might ever know. How is God going to reach them? But it doesn't end there. The disciples are to be witnesses in Judea and Samaria. So these are people who are near, but, but they're different. The Samaritans were, had, were different culturally and racially. They had different traditions, different religion. So Jesus is saying, I want you to go to people who are near you, but outside your normal walk of life. So to fulfil this mission, we've got to be willing to step out and to reach beyond our own little world. It's easy for us to just stay in our little comfort zone with with the people we know, the people we're comfortable with. But Jesus calls us to step out, to cross boundaries, to build bridges with people who are not like us. The Apostle Paul is a a good example of that. 
In 2 Corinthians, he talks about becoming all things to all people. He, he steps outside of his world and enters other people's world to share the good news with them. Now, in East Oxford, we don't have to go very far to, to find people like that, to find people who are different from us. It's such a diverse place. But what are you doing to cross boundaries? How are you going to build bridges? Are you willing to step out of your comfort zone? Over the summer, some members of this church are getting together with some other Christians to distribute copies of the Jesus video to homes in East Oxford. If you're not involved in some kind of reaching across boundaries, then maybe that's a brilliant place for you to begin. Why don't you get involved? You'll be hearing about that a bit more in the next few weeks, or you could talk to Tim Guest if you want details, but maybe that is your Samaria. Then Jesus says, in case I've left anyone out, I want you to go to the ends of the earth, so that's everybody else. God's plan is to take the good news to all nations, and he calls us to be involved in that. And that's why as a church we give a proportion of all our income to, to world mission. It's why we support mission partners in, in different countries in the world. Not all of us are going to go ourselves overseas, but all of us are called to be global Christians and to pray and to support the work that God's doing across the world. So our mission is to be Jesus' witnesses. We're to do it where we are, but we also need to go to others, to cross boundaries and to reach beyond our world. Secondly, why is this mission important? Well, firstly, because it's the purpose of history. We saw that in the first week of this series when we looked at Ephesians. We saw that God, right from uh, before the creation of the world, God's got a plan. He's got a plan to bring all things together under one head, Christ. And uh, we see the completion of that plan in the book of Revelation. In chapter 7, we read this. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every tribe, every nation, tribe, people and language standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. So the whole reason the, the earth exists, the whole reason you are alive today is because God is, is building a family. God is, is building a family to be with him forever and ever, for all eternity. And he wants members of that family from every nation, every tribe, every tongue to gather around his throne and worship him. That is God's plan from the beginning of the world. And this is not mission impossible, this is mission inevitable. It is going to happen. But the absolutely amazing thing is that God chooses to work out that plan through weak and feeble human beings like us, through people like you and me sharing the good news. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? That uh, the fate of history is in our hands. He says, I want you to complete this mission. Picture the scene in heaven after the resurrection. Uh, Archangel Michael is, is congratulating God on what he's done uh, at the cross and the resurrection, all that he's done to rescue humanity from death and from sin. Uh, but he asks him, 
Lord, how, how are you going to let everyone know about what you've done? How, how are people going to find out? What's the plan? And God points down to Jerusalem at these uh, 12 blokes locked away in a room and says, they're going to do it. And Archangel Michael looks at this feeble-looking, ragtag bunch of fishermen and, and asks, well, what's plan B? And maybe you, sort of, you look around this room and you think the same thing, Lord, what, what's plan B? But there is no plan B. We're it. We're the plan. What a privilege. That God is at work in the world and he invites us to join in in what he's doing. We have a hand in the fulfilment of his purposes for all of history. We can be history makers. Can you think of anything more amazing to give your life to? The best use you can make of your life is to invest it in something that will outlast it. The second reason this mission is important is because we've been given a life-saving message. The gospel is the best news in the world. Romans, uh, Paul in Romans 1.16 describes it like this, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. It's the means that God uses to, to save people. It is the means that uh, God uses to redeem them. If, if they're going to believe, if they're going to be reconciled to God, if people are going to be rescued from an eternity, separated from him, then they need to hear this message. If I had a cure for cancer, I would, I would be out there telling people I'd do everything I could to get the news out. But you and I, we've got a message even more great than that. We've got a message that sins can be forgiven, that, that, that we can be reconciled to God, that we can enjoy a relationship with him forever. This is news that doesn't just have consequences for this life, but consequences for all of eternity. The Bible says your witness is the power God uses to get people into heaven. Whether you share or whether you don't share, heaven hangs in the balance for people. Eternity is in the balance. We've got a life-saving message and God wants us to tell people. We can't just keep it a secret. We've got, we've got to share it. We've got to share it with the people around us, with our family, with our friends, with the people at work, with people we don't even know. Because there's no other name under heaven by which they may be saved. So this mission is vitally important. But I guess most of us would agree with that. And yet, yet also most of us would agree that still we find it incredibly difficult, don't we? So why is that? What stops us from, from sharing this good news? Uh, Nigel Lee used to be the uh, Director of Student Ministries for UCCF that I used to work for. And he was once speaking on this topic. And he said, there's only three reasons why people don't share the good news about Jesus. Firstly, because they don't love God enough. Secondly, because they don't love their friends enough. And thirdly, and then he said, in all my years of ministry, I've never found a third reason. If you're anything like me, you're thinking, gosh, there's got to be a third reason. Because I don't want to admit to either of those first two. But he's right, isn't he? 
bottom line is that if we really love God with all of our hearts, if we really loved our neighbour as ourselves, we'd do it, wouldn't we? Even if we found it difficult, even if we found it scary. It's our love for God, it's our love for the people around us that, that will make the difference about whether we, we think it's worth the risk, whether we think it's worth the effort, worth the cost, whether we step out, whether we have a go. So our first motivation then for mission is our passion for God. A passion for his glory, for his praise. If we're passionate about God, if we're excited about, about who he is, about what he's done, then, then we'll want to tell people about it, won't we? We'll long to see him get the praise that he deserves. We'll long, uh, as, as Peter wrote, to declare the praises of him who brought us out of darkness into his glorious light. We just read from Revelation where we saw the culmination of God's plan. People from every nation and tribe and tongue praising God, worshipping him. If, we, if we're passionate about his glory, then we'll long to see that come about, won't we? We long to be part of bringing those people round his throne to, to enjoy his glory, to praise him. I've got a friend who, who pretty much all he ever talks about is God and football. Seriously, that, that's all he ever talks about. And uh, I asked him about it once. And he said this, he said, well, if a man doesn't talk about his passions, then he hasn't got any. And that's right, isn't it? The things that we love, the things that we're passionate about, we talk about. Whether it's sport or music or uh, your children or your allotment or X Factor or whatever it is. The things that you're passionate about, you talk about. What would your friends think that you were passionate about? So if your enthusiasm for telling people about Jesus is lacking, then... You need to ask yourself, am I passionate for God's glory? How big is my vision of him? How great do I think he is? How good do I think he is? The second reason we want to share this good news is out of compassion for people. We love the people around us and we long for them to find what we've found. We know that they're lost without the gospel. And if we truly love them, won't we do everything that we can for them to, to find out about Jesus? If we really love them, won't it just break our hearts to see them scrambling around in the darkness, facing an eternity without God? Won't it move us to pray for them? Won't it move us to look for opportunities to share with them? You know, we can, we can create all sorts of events and uh, plans and strategies for reaching people, but it'll all come to nothing if we don't have a love in our hearts for the people around us, if we don't love our neighbours, our friends, our colleagues. We ought to love people as God loves people. Peter says in, in 2 Peter 3.9, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. Some understand slowness. He's patient with you, not wanting any to perish, for everyone to come to repentance. God wants all people to come to repentance. He doesn't want for any single one to perish. So as long as there is one person who has not heard, then we need to keep reaching out. We need to care about the things that God cares about most, and that's people. Jesus died to save people. The people around you, the people in your workplace, the people in your street, 
the people in your family. And we seek that kind of compassion lived out in the life of Jesus. In Matthew 9, we read this about Jesus. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. So Jesus comes, Jesus' compassion for people comes first. He, 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 he sees that they're lost like sheep without a shepherd. And so he calls his disciples to pray and then in chapter 10 he sends them out. But it's the compassion that comes first and that motivates the prayer and the outreach. So what, how is your compassion level? On a scale to 1 to 10, how, how much do you feel compassion for people? How often are you moved to action out of a feeling of compassion? If you don't, then you need to start praying that God will, will give you a heart for people. Ask him to help you to see people the way that he does. Do you pray for the people around you? If not, why don't you start praying for three friends regularly? Ask God to, to increase your compassion for them. Ask him to open up opportunities to share with them. Ask him to, to use you to bring them closer to him. So passion for God and compassion for people. That's what we need if we're going to fulfil this mission that uh, God has left us with. You see, God uses our heart, not, not our eloquence. The most, the most important thing is not sort of uh, how much we know or how much training we've had or how confident we are or how extrovert we are. The thing that really matters is how much we care. If, if you give your heart to mission, God will use you. So we're on earth for a mission. And this church exists to pursue that mission. William Temple said that uh, the church is the only society in the world that exists for the benefit of its non-members. But it's so easy to just slip from that mission mindset to a maintenance mode and to just spend all our time and energy and resources for the benefit of those in the church rather than those outside. So many of the things that we do as a church, we can continue to do in heaven. We can pray, we can, we can sing, we can enjoy fellowship, we can, we can minister, we can do these things for eternity in heaven. And we'll have eternity to celebrate with the people that we bring to Jesus. But we've only got a lifetime to reach them. Time is short. Is anyone going to be in heaven because of you? When you get to heaven, is anyone going to come up to you and, and say thank you? Thank you for not keeping your mouth shut. You, you lived in my street for five years and you told me about Jesus. Thank you. Or you, you worked with me for three years and you told me about Jesus. Thank you. Or maybe it'll be the case that you just moved them a, a small but vital step on the journey. I first met Christians uh, when I went to university and they cared enough for me to share what they knew about Jesus. But I didn't become a Christian for another couple of years 
And those people that first witnessed to me, they, they'd moved on, they'd graduated. Maybe they never even discovered that I became a Christian. Maybe they thought that it had no impact at all. But one day they'll find out, and I'll say thank you. And maybe, uh, maybe that'll be the same with you. Maybe, maybe something uh, you will say to someone, some little bit of the gospel you'll share with someone, and it might not seem like anything at the time, it might not seem like it made any impact, but maybe in heaven you will find that it was the vital step in their journey, and down the line they became a Christian. You know, maybe you'll get to heaven and Jesus will show you a list and that person's name will be on the list and your name will be next to them, next to it. And you'll be like, wow, I didn't know they got converted. And you'll be, yeah, he's over there. And you might find out that, that, that something you did, that you thought had no impact, was actually the most significant thing you ever did in your life. Just because you took a risk, just because you stepped out, just because you didn't keep your mouth shut. The best way that you can use your life is to invest it in something that will outlast it. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Let's pray together.